Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. <laughs> when we have preconceived ideas about people, right, then we kind of get things all messed up. We start getting a little judgy, and uh, we've got to be careful there. Um, there's all kinds of believers out there. Somebody's car. A gray truck. All right, it's a gray vehicle that is um, being broken into right now. You may want to go out there and defend your ground. All right. <laughs> oh, man. It is great. That was a great worship time, and, and what, a, what a powerful time to just spend in God's presence, and that's exactly what it's all about. And when you come to Journey Church Ventura, the goal and the ambition is to connect with God. Uh, we, we don't invite you to church, we invite you to Jesus. And that's the most important part that we want everyone to experience. So when we do invite people, just remember, we're not inv- inviting them to come and see Pastor Ricardo. We're not inviting them to come and see our church. We're coming to, I mean, all of that might be okay, but the most important person we want them to meet is Jesus. And uh, that's our goal every weekend. So I hope you have your, uh, your, your 1040 cards and hopefully they're filled up. Hopefully they're, they're full of 10, at least 10 names that you're praying for. Alicia probably has about 10 cards that she's praying over right now because I know she connects with people all the time. And, but uh, hopefully you're praying. Today is day 12 of a 40-day focus on praying for 10 people for 40 days. And so we want to encourage you to do that. And I want to pray with you today. Today, on, if you have your prayer guide... Um, at home or if you have it here or if you, you're going to go home and pray, today would be t- day 12, which is pray for a burden to plead for their souls. Wow. Pray for a burden to plead for their souls. Romans 10.1 says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. So let's pray right now for our ten. Let's pray for those that are on our cards. And let's believe that God is going to build in us a passion, a hunger, a a discipline to pray for those and to plead for those, the salvation of those that we want to see saved. Lord, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus and based on this verse and this idea of getting a heart that would be willing to plead for the salvation of our family members, our friends, our co-workers, whoever it is, God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would put in us a desire to never stop pleading for the salvation of those closest to us. Help us, God, to want to and desire to and discipline ourselves to pray for those that are around us, pray for those that are are in our families that need Jesus, pray for those that are are, uh, our neighbors, our co-workers, whoever they are. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us a heartbeat. Lord, I pray that you give me a heartbeat to pray for Philip Harris and for Timothy, those two homeless guys that I've met recently. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you give me a hunger to see them saved and to do whatever it takes, God, to give them the message that uh, we, we have in our hearts. And that is that you save, that you deliver, that you set free, that you give our hope for eternity. And we believe, God, that you're doing something powerful in this 1040 prayer initiative. Give us all a hunger, God, to plead for those around us for their salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. All right. I want to encourage you. 
If you're inviting, there's a lot of people that are inviting. Pick up one of these little packets. They're Be My Guest cards, and uh, you can take them. Put them in your purse. Put them in your wallet. And uh, when you come up against somebody or come uh, with, uh, alongside somebody and you, you have a moment, just, it just takes a moment, um, just toss it at them. Just don't hit them in the eye, okay? And so whatever it takes, let's get the message out and believe that God's going to do something pretty crazy to save their lives. We're in the series, second week of the series called Unlikely, Unlikely Moments with Jesus. And uh, last week we talked and had a great conversation about a unique, unlikely moment that Jesus had with someone caught in adultery. And uh, that was amazing to see Jesus handle the Pharisees, forgive this woman of her sin and deliver her from that sin and allow her life to go on with the hope that she's going to spend eternity with God in heaven. That's amazing. And Jesus crossed so many cultural lines in doing what he did. It was pretty crazy. And so today, I want to remind us of the the big thought behind Unlikely. This whole series is about Jesus crossing cultural norms and boundaries to reveal himself to others. Jesus crossing cultural norms and boundaries to reveal himself to others. The need for people to know him and those who needed his touch caused him to oftentimes Cross the lines of comfort. Cross the lines of comfort. We're going to run into people and we're going to have conversations with people and we're going to meet people that don't make us comfortable. Or we're going to be in places or, 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 or situations that are uncomfortable, but we're there for a reason. And we have to remember that. The big question for the series is what boundaries or lines of comfort must we tear down so people who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness can meet him? So let's ask ourselves that question. Yeah, what is it, what is it take in our hearts to cross the co- lines of comfort, cross those cultural lines so that we can have an opportunity to lead people to Jesus and invite them to meet Jesus Christ? Amen? Yeah. Let me ask this question of you guys. Have you ever been so grateful you would be willing to do just about anything to show it? Have you ever been so grateful I mean, you've ever had somebody do something for you that you just like, I don't know how to express this, this gratitude that I have, but I just want to do whatever it takes to do that. I was, um, uh, and, and I've told this story a little bit in the past, but uh, about 17 years ago, I hit bottom. I was pastoring a church, and, and the church was a very difficult church to pastor. I had given everything I could imagine giving of myself to this thing and I'm not saying that's a good thing because it ended up being a bad thing I did it in an unhealthy way and um, I was disconnected from my wife I was there were all kinds of things just crumbling underneath me and as a result I had a, a, a breakdown and I called up a friend and my friend uh, Pastor Troy I called him up and I said hey I am toast I don't know what to do I have to resign my church I don't know where I'm going to go I'm, I'm not healthy I'm in a really bad shape, and as a result, he said, will you come down, move into our city, and we will pay your rent for half a year. We will pay half of your rent for half a year, and um, we will take care of you. Anything you need from the doctor, anything you need uh, for your your marriage, anything you need, we are going to pay for. And they did it, and they did it. And four years later, I was on staff at that church being as an executive pastor of a, of a church of 1,700 at the time. When I left that church, we were running 3,500. 
which was amazing. And I cannot, there, there aren't words to express the gratitude. Not, not just what Pastor Troy did for me, but what God did in that setting. To be healthy today and to be healthy and just know that God has completely given me a peace in my heart, a healthy mind, a healthy heart. Well, some people would argue about the mind. But um, <clears throat> a healthy heart and a, and, and a healthy life. And I'm so blessed. And I'm so full of gratitude. And, and I, there, there aren't words today even to say thank you to, to Pastor Troy and to God for what he did in our family and in my life and allowing me to be back in ministry, which I was out of ministry for four years, um, getting healthy and getting back on my feet again. It was pretty crazy. But there are times where in, in our lives where we need to realize that um, there, there is something so big that God has given us that we need to understand what that gratitude looks like. Have you ever thought of yourself um, <clears throat> as so well off that you now look at the less fortunate with judgment? Have you ever looked at yourself and said, I'm good, and they're not? I deserve where I'm at. I deserve what I've done. Look at me. I'm, I'm in good shape. I, I, I go to church every week, and I give, and I do all this stuff, and you're starting to measure yourself against those that don't measure up to you. I think that's a danger. That certainly is the perspective. Believe it or not, research shows today that most people who don't go to church look at the church and think we think that way. They think that you and I are here to judge them. That you and I are here to, to, to elevate ourselves and look at them and go, oh, you're, you poor people. There's a story in Scripture in Luke chapter 7, verse 36, that is one of these unlikely moments. And Jesus teaches us another lesson of understanding that uh, there's a different way to live. There's a different way to think. There's a different way to treat people. There's a different way to love on people. And the church must respond in the way Jesus responds, not in the way this Pharisee responds. Listen to this story in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. I think that's a, that's a sermon in itself right there. Jesus is like, you know, the, the word, his enemies were the Pharisees. His enemies were these teachers of the law that, that were the, 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 high, the high and mighty. They were the ones with authority. They were the ones that knew the scripture like no other. They were dedicated to all kinds of crazy things, and they were, they were committed to following the law. And so Jesus says yes to the dinner invitation. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Lord, I, I just pray right now that 
that you would help us realize what you've done for us. That you would help us engage our hearts, not in the religious acts of things that we do, but in the power of your grace and your forgiveness. Help us, God, as we read through this story to identify ourselves with one of these characters and hopefully, God, at the end, we could identify ourselves with this woman who's so grateful for her salvation. There's some crazy things happening here. Unlikely moments where Jesus is saying yes to a Pharisee and going and having dinner with him. Now, one of the interesting things about these dinners is that um, a Pharisee would invite somebody kind of popularity or of significance. And Jesus had been teaching in the temple. He's been teaching and he's gaining this recognition of this group of people. And so the Pharisee thought, I'll invite. And Pharisees would always try and, and put themselves in places of honor. I, you know, they're, they're kind of name droppers. And so they would say, well, yeah, I know Jesus. Yeah, I know the guy. And then they'd invite him over, and then what was unique about these dinners is that this was not just a private dinner. You, as, as a group of people in the community, and this is what she says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So if you learned that someone was, uh, of significance was going to meet with a Pharisee, you could go over to the Pharisee's house and hang out there inside the house, and you could sit along the walls and listen to the conversation. And they would have a kind of a U-shaped table with all these pillows around it. It was a Jewish way of having a meal together. And they would lounge at the table, the guests would, and then everybody else could stand and listen to what the conversation was uh, um, going on. And so she came with an alabaster jar to this, uh, of perfume to this home. And this alabaster jar of perfume was really expensive stuff. A lot of ladies in those days, this was their hope chest. This was their, their uh, way of saying, I have something of worth, and I'm worth something. Now, what we know about this woman, or think we know about this woman, is we know she had the reputation of a sinful woman, which was likely a prostitute, likely something of promiscuous nature, and she was, ha, didn't have a good reputation in the community. And so she came, and as she stood behind him, so imagine Jesus is kind of on his left elbow, leaning on, on, on the table, or he could be leaning on the, the pillow, and his feet are behind him. And she is standing above him, behind him. And she did everything she could. I, sometimes these places are crowded, sometimes they're not, but in this case, it sounds like because of Jesus was there, he, it was a, a large group of people, and um, she wiggled her way in to stand right behind her now savior standing above him she could do nothing but weep in gratitude theologians believe that she had already heard the message of repentance and had repented of her sin that she had already experienced the salvation and language in this story tells us that jesus recognized what already happened not what is happening then and that she was already saved. But she wiggled her way into this room and got behind Jesus and above him began to weep in gratitude. 
because Jesus has set her free. The sinful woman. Can we identify with that? Can we identify with someone named a sinful woman? What would be, if your sin was made public, what would be your reputation? What would be my reputation? I don't. Praise God for forgiveness. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm so glad for that. I'm so glad for that. What we need to know and understand about what she was doing is significant. She stood behind him, his feet, behind his feet, weeping. So she's weeping, and the, the tears are dropping off her face onto his feet. And what she does is she bends down. She gets down and she begins to realize that her hair is all she has to wipe her feet, wipe his feet. And her hair being down does mean that she's a promiscuous girl. That in, in the Jewish culture, all the, the Jewish women would have their hair up, especially if they're married and they're, they're living a righteous life. But in this case, she had her hair down, which already identifies her as someone that might be promiscuous. And she kneels down. She had to go down far, right? I mean, his feet are on the ground. They're not up in the air. He's not like dead ants, kind of feet up in the air, kind of goofy looking. No, they're down here. So she's bowing way down and wiping his feet with her hair. Kissing his feet. Now, if you know anything about Pastor Ricardo, I hate feet. You'll never see me barefoot. I don't like feet. My wife hates that I don't like feet. And that is just disgusting to me. It's gross. Especially in Jewish culture, man. He's been wearing sandals. He's been walking through the dirt. It's just disgusting. They're all, they're all gross. They're all dusty. They're all muddy now. Her tears have made not his feet clean, but muddy. And she's wiping his feet with her hair. Oh. Then she kisses them. She kisses them, but listen, listen to this. These are acts of a servant. These are acts of humility. These are acts of, of, of hum humility that, that she has a humble heart. She has a heart that has been broken, that has been uh, 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 served up by God and said, okay, you're a sinner. And that heart was broken, but at that point, then she gave her heart to Jesus. We need to let Jesus break us so that we can be humble and serve with everything we have. And then she pours the perfume out. Now this rocks everybody's world because it's expensive perfume. Some people estimate that it might have been a year's worth of, of, of wages, the, the, the value of that. It might have been a year and a half. We don't really know. But she begins to pour this perfume out and make the whole room take on a fragrance. This is not a fragrance of just perfume. This is a fragrance of worship. 
This is a fragrance of love. This is a fragrance of honor and respect and, and getting down and wiping his feet with, you know, wetting his feet with her tears and then wiping them with their hair and then kissing his feet and then perfume. It's not a pedicure. This is a worship expression. This is a worship expression of, of love and, and, and gratitude and gratefulness that you and I need to learn from. Now, worship can either be an expression of love towards God or it can be karaoke. I, I, I think sometimes, and, and this is the danger of having words on the screen and great music and all those kinds of things, is that it can become this, this karaoke experience. But those words mean everything. And the, the words of songs should mean as much to us if, they, if it had no music played to them. They should be words that were going up and not this way. They should be words that are an expression of love and, and, and gratitude and everything that we recognize about who God is. And when we do that, it becomes a much more powerful experience than than, than just karaoke experience, right? I mean, the, the day church becomes karaoke is the day it doesn't become church anymore. And we can't let that happen. And so she expresses this love towards Jesus that's just unimaginable. It's unlikely. It's an unlikely person. It's an unlikely moment. It's unlikely this heart that's been broken would ever kind of show that expression. But this is unique. This is a woman who has been forgiven much. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Of course, this is the arrogance of the Pharisee, right? He's got it all together. He's a religious man. He knows the, the Bible inside and out. He's, he, he goes to the synagogue regularly, and he's just he's known as this righteous guy, respected in the community, and therefore he has every right in his mind to judge. And he judges not the woman. He's already done that, but he judges Jesus. He says, Jesus, if you were a prophet, you would know. This man claims to be a prophet, and he's, he's probably gesturing to the entire crowd. It, Jesus, if you were a prophet, you would know what kind of woman. What kind of woman. Let's let that never be a part of our heart. Let's not look at somebody and go, I know that kind. Do we have that in our hearts? Do we have that feeling, that sense, that prejudice, that that judgment in our hearts, let's, let's lose it if we have it. Let's repent of it. Because if we have that kind, then we are judges. We're no different. We're in no different category than this Pharisee. This Pharisee saw her past, but Jesus saw her future. If our sins were made public, again, what would our reputation be? Who are we? like last week, to throw a stone. We don't have that privilege. We don't have that place. That only belongs to Jesus. He's the only one 
that can claim that he ever lived a perfect life, a life without sin. Verse 40 says, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Whoa, man. Oh, I never want to hear those words from Jesus. And then the, 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 the Pharisee says, tell me, teacher, he said, which is probably a little bit of sarcasm. It's like, you go ahead and teach me. Then he says, uh, verse 41, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, which is a year and a half's worth of wages, and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Pretty simple riddle, right? Pretty simple anecdote, if you will. And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the, 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 the bigger debt forgiven. I suppose. It's like, oh, this is a trick question. I know it's a trick question. He says, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. I suppose. I suppose. What do we think we know about people? What do we think we know about what people need and how, how, where they're feeling and how much sin is really in their lives? We don't know. We don't know. We don't understand. We don't have a grip on, 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 on the level of forgiveness that people experience. And one of the things that I think is dangerous about this passage is that we could interpret this in saying, well, those that have a big sin, those are the ones that love most. Those are the ones that have little sin. They're the ones that love little. And that's scary because none of us have a sin that wouldn't send us to hell. All sin is falling short of God's glory. All sin sends people to hell. If it's not confessed, if it's not forgiven, and if we don't make that commitment to follow Jesus the rest of our lives. If, if we don't do that, it, it doesn't matter how much sin is forgiven. Sin, no matter how much there is, separates us from God. And so let's not let this passage give us that, that sense of, well, I only have a little sin, so I'm really a really righteous person. I just need a little bit of forgiveness. No, the cross is for everyone in every circumstance. That little sin, whether you're giving up your, your, your addiction to M&Ms from year five you know, in your life or heroin, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is that, that separated us from God, we need the cross. Amen? Amen? We need the cross. There's no levels at the cross. It's all even. So then in verse 44, so first he chastises the, the, um, the, the, the Pharisee for under, not, not appreciating the fact that this woman has been forgiven of her sin. And in the, in the Pharisee's mind, he has a little bit of sin, no big deal. She has a, a, a lot of sin. And Jesus makes it clear, this level of emotion, this level of expression, this level of love expressed to Jesus was something that came out of this depth of sin that she lived in. And I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful. My tears earlier were just a recognition of the mere fact that Ricardo is a walking miracle because of his forgiveness of my sin. And I hope we all have that. 
Verse 44 says, Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. This is powerful. There are several things that the Pharisee should have done when Jesus came in to his house. And he should have washed his feet or had a servant wash his feet. He should have given him a kiss, much like in Europe today when they, they, that kind of thing, side to side, face to face, not lip to lip. Kind of that, 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 that honoring, that, that show of respect and love. The Pharisee didn't do that. Quite often they would put a, a drop or two of uh, olive oil on their head and kind of freshen their hair and slick it back. Look good. Pharisee didn't do that. But the woman with the many sins did. One of the things we have to learn in our hearts is, is how to worship with, our, with our, our heart instead of our head. We have to worship when you come into church. You have to go, I'm coming to meet Jesus. I'm coming to meet the person who saved my soul, who redeemed my heart, who has forgiven me of every stinking little sin that I've ever committed. Little or big, it does not matter. There's no more measurement that separates us from God. It's one sin, one separation, and God forgives them all. We should all come with our most expensive offering. I'm not talking money. I'm talking about heart. Everything follows that. If we don't have a heart to, to give to Jesus and, and, and we're willing to wash his feet with our, our tears and our hair and, and all that, if there's none of that expression, have we become too comfortable like the Pharisee? Do we enter the room with our righteousness instead of our humility, our piety, our pride instead of our humility, realizing that it's a privilege to come into God's presence? And we need to keep that sense of privilege. Let's not grow comfortable with our own sense of righteousness. I love that you're here. I love that you've made time online or on site to, to be with God. That's amazing. But let's always realize that we come with humility and a heart open and a willingness to let God do as he pleases with our lives. And that we come to worship him with everything we are. For her, it was likely that the alabaster jar was all she had of any worth, of anything that made a difference, anything that, that was significant to her, it was right in that jar. And she gave it up. That's powerful. That's worship. That's love. 
And to wrap this whole passage up, Jesus says, then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The literal translation, uh, most theologians believe it's that your sins have been forgiven because they were already done. She, the, the expression of love that she had for her was not to gain forgiveness. We can't earn forgiveness. She'd already experienced it. She came in realizing that her sins had been forgiven already and that she came in going, oh, Jesus, you had forgiven me of my sin. Thank you so much, God, for taking me, the sinful woman, and now I am righteous because of your act of love in my heart. I have repented of my sin. I have given my life. And that's where you and I stand today. We are righteous, not because of anything we've done, not because you showed up to church today, but because... Jesus has died on the cross and given us life. Today, we are here because of what he did 2,000 years ago. Amen? And if you're here for any other reason, we can fix that. Her act of love was a, an expression of worship, not a, an attempt to earn salvation. We can't earn it. It's already been done. We've already been, it, the work was done on the cross. The sacrifices needed to take our sins away are, are, are all completed. And now all we need to do is say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. And then the gratitude flows. The gratitude comes in our heart and it, it's a powerful, powerful expression. And then we bring everything to him. Jesus says the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's the end of that story. Your faith, not your works, not your perfume, not your tears, not the mess you made with your hair, none of that. Your faith, your trust in an almighty God, your trust in a Jesus who saves. That's who saved you. That's how your sins are forgiven. And then out of that forgiveness of our sins, I just love that I don't, nothing, nothing behind me counts against me. Nothing behind you counts against you if you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin. It's a legal term, this idea of repentance. It's that idea of, of turning away and, and, and having your sins forgiven. It's, it's being pardoned. It's a really interesting story. In 1830, a man named George Wilson was arrested for mail theft, the penalty of which was hanging. Kind of brutal. After a time, President Andrew Jackson gave Wilson a pardon, but he refused to accept it. The authorities were puzzled. Should Wilson be freed or hanged? He was given a pardon by the president. They consulted Chief Justice John Marshall, who handed down his decision. A pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. We must accept God's forgiveness. We must accept it. If you ever want to have the joy of knowing that your past is gone, that you've been set free, that you've been allowed the privilege of having every mistake you've made put behind you, and that it will never count against you, 
then you must accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You must accept him into your heart and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I accept that forgiveness, that pardon. And now I commit my life to follow you as I live in the promise that you give me eternal life. That's a beautiful moment. That's an amazing experience. And that's the gift that this woman was expressing. I want to encourage you today. Let's put ourselves in this story. Where are we? Who are we in this story? Are, 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 are you the sinful woman or man? Are you the Pharisee? You've grown comfortable with Jesus. You've grown comfortable in your own righteousness, so much so that you believe you're a judge. Maybe you're the expression of Christ to others. And you're embracing them and loving them and caring for them and holding on to them and letting them know that no matter what they've done, forgiveness is available through the work of the cross. Hopefully, we're at least two of those things. I'm a sinful man, forgiven of my sin by grace. And my faith in Jesus Christ is the only reason that happened. Not because of anything I've done. Not because I stand on this uh, stage today or behind, and, and preach to you. None of that matters. The only thing that got me my sins forgiven, the only thing that, that caused that to happen was the, the work of the cross. And my faith in it. And our faith in it. And now everything I do is an expression of my love and obedience to Jesus Christ. Let's make that our call. Let's make that the call of this message. Let's realize that we all fit in this, this, these women's, this woman's shoes. We are all sinners. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all made those mistakes. And so it's time to get beyond that and love Jesus for everything he's done. Everything he's done in our lives. And hopefully we're this woman that, that is coming to God and worshiping him with all of our heart and saying, Jesus, I love you. And hopefully we're, we're being the nature of Christ to people outside these walls and inside these walls and saying, whoever you are, no matter what your circumstance, we're here to love you and show you God's love, grace, and forgiveness. That's the call today. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that you forgive the smallest sins and the biggest sins. I don't, I'm not sure there really is a measurement because, Lord, it all separates us from you. But I thank you that you set us all free, that you set us all in, in, in this place of knowing that we, have, we are at peace with you and that today there's nothing between us because of the work you did on the cross because of, of this woman's example of humility, we come to you now, Lord, with worship. We worship you with our whole hearts, everything we have. Because, God, it, we are so grateful for what you've done in our lives. Words can't express it enough to know that our sins are forgiven, that we have the promise of eternal life, and that we have a, a purpose and a plan to, to live out on this planet. And God, I pray right now for any heart in this room that we might feel we have this reputation. 
that we're a sinful person. Yes, we are. But God, we pray that you would forgive us of our sins, that you would cleanse us from our sins, and that you would set us free to live for you for eternity. And we commit to worship you like this woman did. God, we bow before you and we humble ourselves to you and we express our love to you by giving you all of us, all of our heart, all of our minds, all of our bodies, all of our spirits, everything that we have that's in us, we give to you right now in Jesus' name. May we be a church that represents the very nature of the story that no one, no one gets turned away. Everyone has a chance to know your love and to know your grace and to understand your forgiveness. I pray in the name of Jesus that you raise us up as a church, as an army of people, Lord, committed to show this community your love. No matter their circumstance, no matter how much sin is in their lives, we know that, that Lord, at the cross, they can experience your freedom. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I, I can't make it more clear to you to let you know that Jesus is available to forgive you of your sin. That today you can say that prayer. You can say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I believe that you were raised from the dead. The Bible says if we pray that simple prayer, then we are saved. So your sins can be forgiven. Your life, your destiny, your future can be determined by that simple prayer. And I want to invite you to pray that prayer. Let's pray it together. You don't have to pray it out loud, but pray it with me online or on site. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I accept the work you did on the cross. And I believe that my sins today, because of this confession, are gone and no longer count against me. And Lord, I pray that you would accept my commitment to follow you for the rest of my life. And I believe that you were raised from the dead and I will spend eternity with you. When I take my last breath on this planet, I will enter into that eternal experience with you. And I'm excited. I, in fact, Lord, I've already ex entered into that eternal experience with you. And I believe that I'm going to spend eternity with you. I confess that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.